This week's episode is brought to you by October. Yes, it's here. Stop asking. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Faust, you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for October 3rd, 2016. Coming up on the show, camp is underway, preseason's underway, we play three up, three down with the real season, and ideas for the next World Cup, but before we play the whoosh, you guys know our disembodied voices of the week. Say hello to Earl06. Hey, Earl. Hello. And say hello to Ryan Murphy. Hello, everybody. So let's just begin with my question of the week. You guys can spam answers at me on Twitter at SteveHouse11, or you can leave us a comment on the podcast post at MyHighHockey.com. But I want to hear what changes you would make to improve the next World Cup of Hockey. Um, I think all of us have a few ideas, so I want to hear everybody's ideas. I, I love this kind of conversation. So what what improvements would you guys make? First Number and one, foremost, make it shorter. Make it shorter, Okay. Yeah. I would totally agree with that point. Uh, I don't know if the exhibition games kind of took all the excitement out of the real games. And if they didn't, the, the round robin finished off the elimination rounds. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, let's go straight to the playoff. Let's do like one warm-up game and let's go for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if they had just done, after the round robin, if they had done the semis on Friday and then had the final on Sunday, just a, a one-game final, I think that really would have kept the, the momentum going a lot better than just sort of saying, oh, gee, we have three games over the next week and Canada's going to win two of them, probably the first two. Right. You know, and the tournament had some bad luck, too, because your most exciting team in the tournament, Team North America, got eliminated. <laughs> and you've got one of your biggest audiences in Team USA just eliminated right away. I, there were some unfortunate things that happened to this tournament that they had no control over. Yeah. I mean, it kind of ended with a whimper. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to agree with you guys on let's make the final not be a best of three. Yeah. Absolutely. One game final. That, uh, that, that went on too long. Um, it didn't help that it was Canada versus Team Europe. Which, no matter how much of a fight the team Marion Hosa put up, it was still not, you know, not quite there. Yeah, let's be clear. It wasn't all of Europe, but some of Europe. Right. Speaking of which, would you include the Czech Republic in the future? I mean, I think they, if they're going to do some of Europe again, I think they could have folded the Czechs into that pretty easily. I think that would make that team more competitive, but as we found out, they were competitive already. Yeah, it surprised everybody. Right. I mean, uh, we could refer back to our previous episode, but I don't think anybody predicted that team getting that far. Nobody but Team Europe. Right. So uh, they had a great tournament. I mean, that's the story, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not sure anybody was beating Canada. Nah. Yeah, I mean, the, the style that, that Team Europe played... I sort of left a little to be desired from a watchability stand. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they did what they did very well. And, you know, it, it's it, it's kind of cool to see a team that looks so awful in the first couple of exhibition games, you know, gradually come together over too many weeks and <clears throat> make the final. 
Right. And I think another problem, and it's a function of having so many games, is the daytime games just, you know, who's watching that? I mean, I think you need to have all these games in prime time. Well, I realize were that. people in Europe watching those? Because, you know, right. that was kind of for them, I think, because asking them to watch games at one in the morning is tough, too. Yeah, that is tough. I mean, it, it does make sense, but I think it kind of sucks the wind out of uh, the continuity of the event when people aren't able to watch every game. Yeah, well, if you put them all in prime time, you either need you need two locations and two networks because otherwise it's going to take even longer. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if they if they did it in say Toronto and Vancouver and had a six o'clock game and a, a nine o'clock East game, something like that, that wouldn't be bad. It'd be yeah. a hell of a lot of travel, though. Oh, uh, I mean, if you had you know Group A in one city and Group B in the other, I mean, you know, right, bringing all the Toronto, you know for the finals but I, I mean i will say having it on espn was nice because it was available on demand and say you didn't really want to watch the night game then you could watch the day game that might have been better mm-hmm. on demand. right and they have the app that you can watch anywhere at any time which is fantastic yeah, yeah it, it, that app kind of has the same problems as the nhl.tv app where it's like a minute and a half behind and Occasionally, the frames are not what you might want, but ha- having it having it as an on-demand service is really not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's functional if you're just sitting at work and have it on in the background. Yeah, uh, don't tell my boss that, but <laughs> it's nice to. It's just a, a so much better than the NBC app. Oh my god, uh, we'll we'll see how much better the NHL TV app is. I guess in a a week or two, but. Uh, the NBC app is so bad, and then have you know, I use the ESPN app a lot for tennis and, and whatnot. But it's so much easier to use. There's not a lot of clutter. It's easy to navigate, and hey, it works. You know, it's like you press a button, it starts streaming, and you can Chromecast it, and it's all easy. Whereas with the NBC app, that's dicey. You know, one last point I want to make is I wonder if you could also make it better by not having it every year. <laughs> I'm not sure what their plans are going forward. I'm not sure whether they'll deem this a success. But uh, a I think the plan is every four years, maybe every two years, if they right if the Olympics go out the window. Yeah, it it becomes less of a novelty if you do it every year for sure. Yeah. Um, but I would improve it um, both by cutting the final down to one game and by completely revamping the group stage, um, because. There's a system out there that makes a meaningless game between Team USA and the Czech Republic that no one watches. It had to have been a financial disaster for everyone involved. Um, that, that doesn't exist in the system. Um, it's, it's called the GSL system, it's, which it originally came, like that name came from like a StarCraft championship back in the day or something. It's something that's really popular with pro gaming. <clears throat> and what basically happens is you have your two groups of four, um, and then... They, you know, two teams will play each other, and then in each group, the winners will play each other, and whoever wins that winner's game, they're through to the semis. Hmm. Then the losers will play each other, and whoever loses the loser's game is done. Hmm. And then the two teams that are left play for the other spot in the semifinal. Double elimination, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. As soon as you win two games, you're in, or lose two games, you're out. Yeah, I like that a lot. Unfortunately, I think uh, Gary Bettman's been... 
play much StarCraft recently, so right. I may not have heard that one. <laughs> but it's good because you can, if you want your, you know, your rivalries or whatever, you make that the first game. You make game one be USA Canada in Group A, and game one be Sweden Finland in Group B. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have your meaningless USA Czech Republic game. Um, if it plays out the same way as the as our results this year did, then Group B is fascinating because you have Sweden over Finland and Russia over Team NA. Then Sweden beats Russia and makes it to the semis, and Team NA beats Finland, and then you have a Russia Team NA rematch to, yeah. make, to make it to the knockout round. Now, I like it a lot, and let me explain why it'll never happen. <laughs> Canada is going to win two games. They will not play a third game. That means ratings problems. Well, also, I think they want a certainty to the schedule so they can sell people, I mean, in Europe for sure, to come over to Toronto or wherever to, to buy tickets to the games and right. stay in Toronto for a week. But also, I mean, you know, anywhere, anyone in North America, say they just want to come up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, if you want to see a definite Sweden matchup versus someone, you're a big Swedish fan or whatever. You know, you want to be able to say, like, all right, if I'm in Toronto on these three days, I'll be able to get to see two Swedish games. Or, you know. oh, the way that you, that you do that is you have um, Group A play on one day and then Group B play on the next. So yeah. you know which day Sweden's group is, and you know they're going to at least play on the first two of those days. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you could figure it out. I'm, sh- I'm sure there's a way to do it so there's certainty in the schedule enough that you could get people that would, you know, want to fly up to, to Toronto for, you know, a couple days to watch the games. Yeah, but I like GSL format. I think it would help a lot. Um, it wouldn't have made any difference in who won, but let's look at, uh, you know... Team Canada shocks the world and, and wins the World Cup of Hockey. And let's let's look at the Avalanche. It's a good World Cup for a lot of Avs. Just would, one last point on the World Cup. Would either of you like to see Canada split in some way, you know, east-west, A-B, something like, you know, make two Canada teams? Ooh, francophones, anglophones. <laughs> can, there you go. You can, you can get rid of, um, fold the checks into Team Europe. And then you have Team Canada, Team USA, Team North America, and Team Quebec. Yeah. Quebec. Or even Team Ontario. Or you could, I mean, East and West would be nice. Yeah. You know, know, there's a lot of ways you could split it up. I wouldn't even mind an A and a B. Like, you know, take this Team Canada team, but have all the guys that didn't make it, you know, your your PK Subans of the world. Right. Mark Giordano's and whatnot, you know, and have them on a B team that might surprise some people. That's still an incredible team. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, <laughs> scared of Team Quebec. I think we may foment a revolution unintentionally. <laughs> they definitely want their own team, I'm sure. They, they want their own a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Quebec City, the only walled city in North America. So, not a great tournament for Eric Johnson, but Matt Duchesne did well. Nathan McKinnon did well. Uh, Landeskog was solid. Gabe Landeskog did well. Soderberg, I I never even noticed on the ice. Soderberg was on the ice with Landeskog most of the time. Yeah. Well, he got got played down in the fourth line a little bit towards the end, but um, 
I'd, I'd have to say watching McKinnon was just the joy of my day every time they were on. Yeah. And the uh, the Soderberg-Landeskog penalty-killing pair was actually one of Sweden's best aspects, too. Yeah. I mean, Landy had a fantastic goal in the power play, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Nathan McKinnon on a line with Johnny Goudreau. And R&H, yeah, that was a fantastic line. I mean, like, let's just offer sheet that dude. <laughs> He's still not signed yet. Really? I think we owe Calgary an offer sheet. Oh, that we do. So, uh, now that we've said that, he will definitely get signed between now and when I upload the show. <laughs> um, and so everybody's back at camp now. Um, we've seen uh, McKinnon and Johnson get in in a game against L.A. And Varley. And and Varley. Did Varley get in? Yeah, he played the whole game. Okay. I, we would know that if we could watch preseason games on TV in 2016. I think if it was anyone else, we wouldn't have won that game. So why can we not watch preseason games? Like, I'm not going to because preseason hockey is aggressively bad, but um, plenty of people want to. Because we need to have, uh, you know, uh, the reruns of whatever their golf show is and high school football and these things obviously garner higher television ratings than broadcasting a hockey game now the first one in minnesota happened during canada europe game one so that was never going to be televised i'm sure the nhl would not allow that it actually was that's the only yeah, one actually that's that the only one that was it just it, you had to have um, access to Fox Sports North. Ah. You could watch it on your Fox Sports Go app. Well, that's specific. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any of that, so no. No. I didn't watch it. We don't, we don't get that here in North Carolina. No. It, it's not Fox Sports North Carolina? No. <laughs> but Colorado have been winning preseason games, so they may never lose again. That's right. 4-1 over Minnesota, 4-2 over Dallas, 3-1 over L.A. Jared Bednar is undefeated as an NHL coach. Yeah, all hell Coach Bender. Um, so let's look at who's actually scoring the goals and remind ourselves that this is the preseason. We've got Mike Sislow, Rene Bork, uh, McCovey Gorinko, Ben Smith in Minnesota. Dallas, we saw Joe Whitney, Francois Boschman, Ben Smith, and uh, Weirkosh got one too, whose na first name I have just blanked on. Help That's me. Patrick, that's it. And then... 180 feet out. Yeah. And both of Dallas's goals came from Radic Faxa. Which is a great name. It really is. Um, yeah. A better roster versus L.A. saw McKinnon and then two from Grigorenko. And I don't know if you've seen the highlights, but they're highly worth watching. Yeah. yeah. Anybody out there not seen those, they do exist and you need to watch them. They're on NHL.com slash Avalanche, which let's talk about that in a minute, by the way. <laughs> but, but you can hop on there, and it's, they're featured on the front news roll. I've, I've seen them over there. Uh, Coach Bedner has been, like, really high on Mikhail Grigorinko this, this preseason. Which he was supposed to fall off the face of the earth without his uh, former coach <laughs> at the helm anymore. So, uh, you know, what the hell happened there? He's gotten better. Yeah. Imagine that. What's his role been? Have we? Does someone have ice time up that we can look at? Um, I guess as the host slash producer of the Mile High Hockey Podcast, that would be my job. 
I think whatever the first game he played, he was probably the uh, first line center. And I think right. in this game, he was the second center behind Mac. That would have been my guess as well, yeah. just uh, given who his line mates were. Yeah, he played 1630 against LA behind McKinnon's 1859. Right. But more notable center both times did not play wing in either one of those games right and he said he enjoyed it and, and was proud of his performance yeah that, that was a fun little quote where he was like i didn't realize i could still do that at center <laughs> <laughs> who knew going back to centers could be so good for both of us really can i mean that solves a lot of problems going forward um yeah. you know with the roster and expansion drafts i mean i, I think Grigorenko is a center in this team long term. I mean, you could definitely non-tender or whatever you want to call it, Soderberg. Like not protect him, right? Yeah, and it also saves us from having Miko Rantanen as a center, right? Which should not be a thing. Yeah. Although I think it's actually helped him out quite a bit. You know, watching him in that rookie showcase, he just looks like a completely different player. I mean, he looks comfortable taking faceoffs now. Which oh, he's I a good center. He... I'd love for him to be, you know, a, t- a top six center in a couple of years. But, you know, given that he struggled so much in the nine games that he barely played last year, I'd like to see him on the wing at least this year. I mean, you know, he's not Mac, and Mac didn't even come right in as a center. So, right. You know, I, I just think it's helped his defensive positioning. I think it's helped his ice awareness. I mean, it all just looks 100% improved. Yeah. I mean, just seeing him among everybody else on that ice, and he looked more confident, he looked bigger, he just stood taller. So if uh, Grigorenko sticks at center, then is there any reason to move Matt Duchesne off the wing, ever? I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think you call him a right wing if he and Mac are together. But it, it, it's like having two centers. It's it's kind of like it was with Team North America where he and R&H were, were basically both centers on that line. Right. And they sort of swapped out which one was the center in the defensive zone. <clears throat> you know, some guy's not having a great night on faceoffs. You know, switch it up. Yeah. There's a lot of advantages to having that kind of skill set doubled up on the top line. And I, I think Matt Duchesne and Nathan McKinnon scare the hell out of other teams, especially yeah. together. You know, I would love to see that happen to start this year. And honestly, you know, a, a few months down the road, that same thing could happen with, with Miko and maybe Soderberg on the second line. Right. I mean, we've got other centers coming up in the system. I, I don't think JT Comfer is going to start the year with the Avalanche. I'm not sure if this is a topic you got lined up for later, but I mean, I think he spends a year in San Antonio and he probably needs it. But I think long term, he's at least a 4C, if not a 3C for this team. And there's Tyson Jost to think about, too. Well, gosh, I mean, <laughs> he's probably a top six. So having two centers on each line that are both good, you know, that's a definite possibility. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I think defensively it allows you to do – it allows you a lot of flexibility 
that you know some teams don't have. I mean, it allows guys to be aggressive and make plays at center and not have to worry about getting back because you have another guy that is aware of the play like a center would be. Yeah. I don't get it. Just literally 30 minutes ago on the Avalanche website, the 30-man roster was on the newsreel, and now it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, could be making some changes to that. I don't know what's going on. Then the roster that's, like, listed, listed is uh, old. It doesn't have today's cuts. I have it. I have it here. If, if you want me to read it to you. <laughs> no, I want to find it. It shouldn't be this difficult. I could say Here we the... go. Here we go. Updated numerical roster. That's what we're looking for. Thank you. So let's let's talk about NHL.com slash team name. Um, these, these new websites are miserable. Oh, they're a little flat in appearance. Um, I mean, are they any different content wise? I haven't really purged it. Yeah, it's harder to find content. It looks like, um, it was just kind of designed for mobile and not in a good way. Yeah. Everything is flat and like there, there is still the front page newsreel, which is, I. A, you know, a, a desktop kind of thing, but what is happening here? It's ugly. It's obtuse. It's a mess. I mean, kind of being in the website business, you know, in my real life, I understand the challenge. You have to make everything mobile now because, like, 72% or something of all website hits are off of a cell phone these days. So, uh, I mean, there's compromises you make which is unfortunate, and not everybody is very good at it. This is a poor effort that I'm looking at, but... It's just tough because there's just acres of blank space that's bright white, which just irks me. Well, you know, I'm not sure anything is is ever... The type is small? Yeah. I'm almost 50. I'm losing my eyesight. I need bigger type. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure anything's ever changed on the internet that somebody hasn't complained about. So, yeah, I take that into consideration too. After a month, I usually forget it ever happened, you know. And yeah. that's the uh, it, it, it's easy to, to say that when something changes, everyone hates it. Um, I think we can look at Facebook for that, but this is legitimately bad. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm going to get over this in a couple of years. No. We haven't gotten over the new NHL.com yet. Why would we get over this? No. Right. I mean, I think some of our users are starting to see this a little bit on Mile High Hockey, too. I mean, if you could see about half of our users can see kind of the new page layout a little bit, you know, within articles, and it definitely looks, you know, full frame. It definitely looks like something that adjusts to mobile really easily. And uh, it's just very difficult. I don't envy people who have to do this for large websites. Right. Uh, SB United was always designed for mobile. Yep. Like That was always its focus was, hey, we want every, every experience to look exactly the same. Which was funny because they'd come out with the Android and iOS app like five months earlier. Right. Well, here's something I that it's a little off topic, but when are we going to get to the point where the code of the website can be translated to 
desktop, mobile phone, tablet, you know, in different layouts that are optimized for those devices, but you can have basically the same source code. You can, it's actually you hard. can. It's just yeah. it's the most difficult thing to do in website design. No, I'm sure it is. I'm just saying, you know, it's like is that like, you know, cold fusion off in the distance or you know, <laughs> No, I mean, it, it, it really comes down to what you want to put on a web page. It comes down to graphic designers, you know, yeah. it's the code is like not impossible. That part's attainable, but it takes the right user experience designer to make that function. And yeah. Like I said, it's the hardest thing to do. I mean, people get paid a lot of money who are good at that stuff. So the reason that we go on this website tangent is because of the cuts that were made today. I had a Rampage camp starting tomorrow. There's been nothing surprising, and it's still none of the PTO guys yet. Today we lose Troy Bork, Turner Elson, A.J. Greer, Sam Henley, Spencer Martin, Jim O'Brien, Jeremy Smith, Ryan Stanton, and Joe Whitney. No surprises. Zero surprises. I mean, I may have expected them to keep Greer around for another game, but uh, no. <laughs> That's not a big surprise. I don't think we'll see any surprises until it's the final cut. Right, until we start getting serious about cutting down defensemen, nothing's going to be a big deal here. The surprise for me actually came Friday when Rocco, Grimal Rocco Grimaldi was cut because I thought he would stick around a little bit longer. I mean, I'm not saying he's a threat to make the team, but... Um, he played quite quite well in the games that he was in, so I figured he'd stick around a little bit longer. Right, especially since he's probably your first forward call up. Yeah, you know, on San Antonio, or at least you know to start the year, I think he's probably got a skill set that can plug in pretty easily. Oh, that's going to depend on who they keep amongst the Borks and Comfer and Ben Smith and Andreas Martinson. Um, the, the notable like borderline guys still left on this new 30-man roster are Chris B. Graw, Duncan Siemens, Nikita Storoff, Mike Sislo, Ben Smith, Rene and Gabriel Bork both, uh, Trent Vogelhuber, who has had an appendix problem and just became eligible to take the ice, so I don't know how much longer he'll stick around, uh, Andreas Martinson, Mikko Rantanen, Anton Lindholm, and JT Comfer Rantanen, of course, skating again today. I think you see Rantanen start the year in San Antonio. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think you just let him get his feet under him for a couple of games, test out the ankle, make sure he's in good shape before you put him into NHL action. I think you can get away with that if it takes him another week to start skating and then you can call it a conditioning stint or whatever. I know you don't have to. It's not a waivers issue, but, like... If you're planning on calling him up within a couple of weeks anyway, I don't agree with that move. Yeah, yeah I mean, and the thing here is the first game of the season is at home, and then there's a long road trip. So it might make sense if no one's going to be around for him to skate with in, in Colorado that he goes down to San Antonio until the end of that road trip. If he's not playing, then yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. But he's, he's back to skating he on his own today, so Vegas. I don't know. If he plays in Vegas, then I'm, I wouldn't send him down. Hmm. Or if he, if he if he plays in Vegas and looks like he belongs, let's say. Any of these names that are still on the list jump out to you as big surprises? As far as still being up? Yeah. Lindholm? Yeah. Lindholm surprises me, too. Yeah. And to hear... Uh, it's a nice surprise. Media, right. To, to hear members of the media kind of 
you know, uh, refer to him as a player who could, you know, borderline make the team is a huge surprise for me. I'm not sure anybody would have guessed that was possible when we gave him his entry level contract. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I mean, it was, it's one of those things we really didn't know what we were getting. I mean, you know, he's, he's as young as most of the, you know, the really young prospects that are pros, but he's been playing in the Swedish hockey league for the past three years. So there's a level of experience that he has that they don't. So, yeah. I mean, this could be, uh, you know, a function of having a new head coach who has a different style preference for defensemen too. I mean, uh, yeah. we might be seeing a tendency here that did not previously exist. Yeah, because I mean, he's not, you know, he's small, but he he's not offensive, offensively gifted. Let's say <laughs> he's not offensive. um but you know he's he's quick um likes to hit even though he's small and you know he's just he's one of those guys that's on the puck constantly yeah i mean if he can turn into john michael lyles or something like that i would be very happy with that development yeah um i mean yeah i i just you know i haven't seen him play other than burgundy white so I'm kind of waiting for what I expect to be the first San Antonio Rampage games to kind of get a, a feel for his style and, and what he plays right. like. Yeah, I mean, I just saw him in the you know the rookie tournament for a game, but I mean, it looked good on his line then. Yeah, against a lesser competition. He he struggled in the game against Dallas, but everybody did. Um, but he was much better against the Kings. Yeah. Um, he and Duncan were playing together, and, and you could call that somewhat of a surprise that, that Duncan's still around, just because usually at this point he's been cut. But without getting a game, <laughs> without getting a game. Um, but I, you know, I think, you know, I, I don't want to read too much into this, but he's the kind of guy that you don't notice a ton during a game. But if you look at uh, shot analytics, that you know he generally makes whoever he's on the ice with better. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure how. You know, he, he just plays decent defense. Um, you know, you, you watch him play, and a lot of people aren't impressed, but you look look at the statistics, and he does well. So I'm, I'm glad that if that's part of it, that that's giving him a, a better chance this year. Yeah, I'm glad to see him get a real shot, you know, at least in this camp because he had not in previous years. And yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, go ahead. I just, uh, you know, seeing him in the AHL is one thing. Like Earl said, he's not going to stand out statistically and you're not going to notice him a lot on the ice. So I'm interested to see if he can carry that over to the NHL and be a, you know, a bottom pairing defenseman. Yeah. So uh, this new opportunity for Duncan Siemens is one thing that's been different about this camp from previous years. Um, new coaching staff in place has definitely meant a change in tempo and a change in tone to the to the training camp this year. Um, obviously, we've got some remote problems. None of us have actually been there in person. Um, you know, travel being what it is, which is some of us live like half the country away. <laughs> they haven't some of us the live game. all the way across the country yeah <laughs> some um, of us actually live in colorado and don't have much of an excuse but. 
<laughs> that would be me. But based on some of the reports that we're seeing out of outlets like BSN, um, it seems like the like their practices have had a more like professional, hardworking tone to them with uh, more teaching involved. Um, they've been they've had a more of a supportive breakout instead of this stretch pass garbo. Um, and then we've we've seen more preseason opportunities for the younger guys and some of the uh, uh, some of the marginal guys like Duncan Siemens. I think a big part of that is going to be uh, people that are missing because of the World Cup of Hockey, but it, it may also just be a philosophical difference. It's very detail-oriented. I mean, he's from everything you hear, the practices are, are very focused on getting the details right on one thing and then moving on. Um, you know, I... I, I I couldn't tell you how Patrick did it differently, but it was different, and you know hopefully this is a, a big change. Right, even seeing uh, you know some of our larger media sources report on the concentration of the breakout and uh, how long they've spent working on this breakout. I mean, really shows me that you know Bedner knew it had to be improved. And it's obvious to everybody witnessing it every day that they're spending a lot of time on it. Yeah, the, the breakout was a significant problem. Um, it, it's even, I mean, even if you're not being hemmed in in your own zone all the time, if you aren't moving through the neutral zone with possession, you're in trouble. Right. I mean, before, these, everything was predicated on these long outlet passes that our defensemen were not making very often. Yeah, and, just unnecessary when you have skaters as good as Nathan McKinnon and Matt Duchesne. They're going to make those plays on their own if they have control. Right. And this is where a lot of us jumped last season to blaming Dave Farish because the last team we saw running a system like this was the Toronto Maple Leafs when Dave Farish was an assistant there. Where's Dave? Where's Dave? Hashtag where's Dave. Um, he's had a very invisible role. <laughs> yeah. No one's complaining about that. Yeah. I mean, he's been kicked upstairs, basically. He's not going to be behind the bench. He's going to be pre-scouting teams and doing video work. Hmm. Um, is that how I, they've labeled his role? Um, I, that's, that's sort of what's been said about his role, that he's going to be, yeah. you know, Nolan Pratt is going to be behind the bench running the defense and the, the penalty kill, and that Dave Farish will be doing pre-scouts. Re-scouts. That's a, that's a redundant little term there, isn't it? <laughs> Pleonistic. Sort of like pre-washing clothes. Yeah, I mean, we're going to do, <laughs> do some pre-scouting, uh, some goal scoring. Maybe may make some shot saves. <laughs> it's, you know, if the guy's under contract for two more years, you got to find something for him to do. Right. It's, you know... It's it's not a terrible thing to have him doing that. He's been a coach in the various leagues for several decades, so right. You know, if that's I mean, something that that he can actually, you know, pitch into the team, then great. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with perspective, and you know, you've got a first-time NHL head coach, you've got a first-time defensive coach in the NHL, and Nolan Pratt. I mean, at least uh, some wisdom, you know, even if it's 
not good wisdom, you know, is probably worth having around just to have another voice. The, uh, the other systemic change I know we can point to apart from the more clustered, more supported breakout is a uh, less emphasis on dumping the puck in the zone as well. We've definitely been hearing about much more controlled carry and uh, much less, hey, we got the puck past the red line. I can go change now. Right. I wouldn't exactly agree with that because they are still dumping it, but they're dumping it the proper way, as in dumping it and having four checkers on it before the defense gets to it. Okay. But, you know, it's it's not option number one. They're not punting it in there all the time, which is what everyone really hates. Right. Right. And some of the shot differential that we're seeing in some of these games, which, you know, I, I kind of jokingly recapped the other night that it looked like a 2015 game. A lot of that's because they're working on this system in the middle of the game. And, you know, they're not picking it up necessarily right away. But, you know, this is an adjustment that they're making from the previous system. And yeah. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to focus on one thing early, it better be that defense. Right. And. Once once you have that in the neutral zone dialed, then you can go ahead and start developing your offense. But yeah. you know, if it's if it's too much to do everything at once, you definitely want to concentrate on breaking the puck out numero uno. Right. I think all of us are looking forward to this four check. Yeah. Every last one of us. Yeah, actual pressure. Two guys? Right. Like down I mean, low and everything? Oh. It's that aren't Cody McLeod? <laughs> Who seemed to be the only one allowed to do it previously. Yeah, and he that's still a role that he's good at. Right. It'll be yeah. interesting to see some of our other top forward guys like that have, you know, your big body presence. A cough, cough, Landeskog getting in on some four checks. Yeah. Because that's an area he should excel in as well. I am with you there. I, I think McKinnon would be fabulous at that because he, again, looked fabulous doing that during the World Cup. Um, he would be the F1. He would be down low, forechecking, and the other team just couldn't break out. And then when the puck gets through him, then he's one of the fastest skaters in the league to get right back into position. And Gaudreau is right behind him, being the F2 down low, like you're supposed to be. You're yeah. For, for real. Because we're off for shooting the drum. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just if you work a forecheck like that, it's very effective. It's something that I just, in three years of Patrick Waugh, I could not believe that he just did not do that ever. Mm -hmm. And it was extremely frustrating. Yeah, it's strange how conservative that defensive scheme from you know top to bottom was. It was conservative yeah. in the offensive end. It was conservative in the defensive end. I mean, that's strange. I mean, it's not uh, what we think of when we think of Patrick Waugh, who's, you know, an aggressive goaltender, you know, big personality. And, yeah. you know, played it safe the entire time. And it's not what he said he was going to do when he came, either. He said it was going to be entertaining and exciting. And then by the time he left, it had drifted off into, do I even want to watch this game? <laughs> right. I want to watch uh, yeah. pucks bounce off the shins of all of our defensemen, you know, over and over again. I mean that's just it, you're you're right. It, it's totally out of character for him. I I just don't understand why the four check wasn't there. Why you know the one three one worked for a month and a half and then they abandoned it. And 
you know, the, the defense kept collapsing more and more and more and not going for puck possession in the corners or anything like that. It just, you know, you just conserved yourself into zeros. Yeah, that was the strangest aspect of his coaching tenure, just the watching that unfold, you know, going from the five-on-five, five, you know, the man defense to the zone defense. I mean, it just kept getting more and more conservative. Yeah. So anything else to uh, to talk about from camp or preseason for you guys? Um, I wish I could see any of it. Well, we'll get, we'll get to we'll get to. Yeah. Um, at least if if nothing else, Frozen Fears and Fury is on uh, NHL Network. Yeah. And Rampage Camp opens tomorrow. Uh, there are 29 guys down there, including Phil Kessel's brother. Phil who Kessel has a brother? He does. He's a defenseman for the Atlanta Gladiators of the ECHL. Hmm. Phil didn't need him in his infancy. And he actually has a really good chance of making the team because he's a right-handed defenseman. And San Antonio is short of defensemen in general and very short of right-handed defensemen. Uh, I had didn't... no idea there was a third Kessel. <laughs> I think there's a fourth even. Um, but I think, let's see, I, I think he was playing in Germany last year. Hmm. But he came back and signed with Atlanta, and he's getting a, a tryout with San Antonio. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it. Is he signed with San Antonio, or is that like an ATO? It, it's it's a ATO. He's, he's just there for a tryout. but okay. um, He feels a need. <laughs> it does. Well, I mean, right now there are, let's see, there, there are three healthy um, NHL contract defensemen down in San Antonio. Um, let's see, you have Boykoff, Corbett, and Ryan Stanton. Mason Gertson's there, but he's hurt. Um, so, I mean, they need bodies until, you know, Lindholm and one or both of Duncan or, or Beegrass come down. Right. So they could really use some guys and there, you know, there could be some mystery men there tomorrow that we don't know of. I hope so. Because again, they just, you know, you can't have five, six defensemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you now you've reminded me of that ridiculous movie. Mystery men. <laughs> That came out when I was a kid, and all I remember about it is that Kel was in it. <laughs> Kel of Keenan and Kel. There's going to be some crazy jersey numbers down there, and some guy in 84. Who's that guy? <laughs> Hopefully he's a right-handed shot and can play defense. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so that's going on this week, and they're going to play a game against our, our beloved Texas Stars on Thursday night and Saturday afternoon. That'll be their preseason. Yeah. So is this the time that we uh, make our predictions for surprise cuts? You know, uh, who's, which of the NHL hopefuls are going to be top guys on that AHL squad? It's a, I, I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish. I wish it didn't look like such a mortal lock for Rene Borg to have a contract. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's so frustrating. He's having a good preseason against garbage competition, so you're going to sign him out of his PTO, and then he's going to be useless in the regular season. Yeah. That's that's one prediction for, for our next segment that I've already spoiled. I only have two <laughs> bad things to predict. He was going to be mine, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what defensemen do you think end up down there? Um, out of the, the guys that are left? Right. <sighs> I mean, it's, somebody's got to get left on the bench, you know, or, you know, up in the press box. Well, you know, another thing that makes it difficult is you knew with Patrick he was going to keep eight, but right. are they going to keep seven or eight? So um, I'd say Lindholm's definitely getting cut, and that's nothing against him. He just needs to learn the North American game better, and, and he freely admits that. But um, whether it's Duncan or Bigra both or someone that we, you know, might not think of. You know, I mean, there's no way Bigras is sitting in the press box, right? Right. I, I agree completely with that. If Bigra is with the, the Avalanche, he's playing games. Yeah, right? if he's not in the top six, he's going to be sent down. You can see Siemens kept as a seventh or eighth defenseman. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I, you know, I can't say the same thing about Duncan Siemens. I think they would leave him in the press box to keep him around for practices. Oh, for sure, because he's not. He has to go through waivers, so they okay. probably don't want to send him down. Right, and that's the other aspect. I mean, I think I predict Duncan Siemens making this team. I I wouldn't be surprised. I don't even know how impactful of a of an event that would be. I mean, if he if he makes the team, it's to get very limited minutes, not very often. And if somebody gets hurt, I think Bigra is still your first call up and he's probably getting the moment you know the time yeah can't wait for the free duncan siemens movement if if they keep eight defensemen and and duncan and let's i don't know weirkoch or or tootin is going to be the seventh guy you know if someone gets injured do they call bigger up i don't think they do until later on in the season you know i i think if they send him down he's probably going to be down there until christmas right i mean i still want to see more offense from Chris Begra before he gets his next NHL opportunity. Yeah, and, same here. You know, we're seeing some evidence. It. You know, uh, just watching the Burgundy White game, watching the uh, definitely the rookie showcase. I mean, he's a force when he wants to be. He's yep. got a good shot, both a slap shot and a wrist shot. I mean, uh, he's got the tools. I mean, I want to see him go put up 10 goals in the AHL. Yeah. He's got the kind of shot that has eyes, you know. It, it finds right. its way to the net, and that's that's really good. Right. Um, and it just—I really want to see that developed. I mean, you know, I know it would be nice to have him on the Avalanche. And I'm sure he'd rather be in Colorado than San Antonio, but I, I just think if you if you lose this opportunity to develop that, he might not develop it at the NHL as much as he could have. Um, and that'd be a shame because I really, I really think that he can score a lot more than he's showing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be disappointed he's in San Antonio anyway. I think he's probably ready for the NHL. I, I'm not. I'm still. I mean, I think Tootin's a nice addition, but I'm not sure that was a necessary signing. Well, with the way Jelena's played in the preseason, always forget about Jelena. Oh gosh, you shouldn't. Yeah, he's he's played very well, and I think that they were like, well, I mean, this dude's arm fell off last year. We don't know what happened. 
know. That's why we forget about him is because he came and he played a game and then he was like in the infirmary. Yeah. Getting his arm reattached, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, but he's looked really good there according to all sources. Uh, Tootin's only had one game. It didn't look that great, but you know, he's not the kind of guy, kind of guy that's going to have a great game in his first preseason. I mean, you know, it, it's just not something that vets are going to excel at. So he's he still could turn out to be fine, but it, it 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 is producing a little bit more of a jam than I thought it would. Yeah, I mean, actually, I take that back. I totally forgot about him too. I mean, another <laughs> guy I could easily see, you know, take that seventh or eighth spot. Who's Jelena? Yeah, I could see him being in the top four. Yeah. Jeez. Oh yeah. Quite a prediction. I, well, so far he's been out playing enough people that that's that's a possibility. Yeah, where do you see uh, Zadorov? I think he starts in the third pair. Okay. You know, I I, I think they're going to give him every opportunity to move up, of course. But right. you know, you're just not going to plop him into the top four right away. Yeah. I mean, uh, what do you think that top pairing does this year? I mean, we're going to see the same one that started last season. I. I wouldn't be surprised to see someone different with EJ. Yeah. At the beginning, I bet it's the same. It, I don't know, but Barry's been playing with Boschman, and they've been actually looking decent. Um, really? That, that might work really? better. You know, if Jelena or Weirkoch or, or even Tutin, you know, if, if they could steal that top spot away and they could keep Bosch with Barry, I think the Bosch-Barry uh, pairing might have some traction for the first half of the season i'd love to see that yeah i mean just uh temperamentally or you know stylistically i think that works for both players yeah well it's just i mean when was the last time barry had a partner he could trust and never <laughs> wait you're <laughs> saying they can't trust uh oh never mind i don't like you nick but i don't trust you or our old friend Nate Gannon. Ah, I wasn't. He's on waivers. Is he? Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that that having Boschman and Barry together is intriguing. Um, you know, there are other guys that could be intriguing. Maybe Jelena with Barry is intriguing. You know, there there's a lot of ways that things could go. I mean, with this staff, I'm just, you know, I'm not comfortable making predictions because. They seem to be trying a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff you wouldn't think of trying. Right. Seeing, you know, maybe this won't work, but, you know, maybe it does just on the, a weird chance and, and it could be something special. This probably won't work, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you see him trying that a lot of stuff on the power play right now. I mean, they've been going four forwards on the first power play line. Yeah. Which uh, I am always a fan of. Yeah. And, not and, three and not five. Right. They've been doing funky things with the lines too. And you're like, God, why would you put those guys together? And it, you know, it, maybe it doesn't work totally, but it does something interesting. And you, you can take Nathan McKinnon between the Borks. Yep. <laughs> 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 Wouldn't call that interesting. But <laughs> Somebody out there vomited. Somebody. It was probably Steph. Steph, you, you lost your lunch over that, didn't you? Uh, if I had eaten lunch, then yes, I would have. All right. We were going lunchless today. I got up very late. 
Um, but while, while we're making predictions, let's just make some predictions. What do you think? Let's yeah. do it. Today we're going to play three up, three down. I want three best things that are going to happen this season <coughs> and the three worst non-injury things that are going to happen this season. Injuries don't count because I do not want that cloud over anyone's head. Yeah. Don't put that in the universe. Right. You just alternate, maybe? I want to say that the best thing that's going to happen this season will be Nathan McKinnon's year. That is my number one best prediction. That's where I was going to go. <laughs> I mean, I'll get specific, though. I mean, I, I, I think Nathan McKinnon could be 70-plus points if he stays healthy. I was going to say 40 goals. 40, 40 goals. Green. 40 goals seems to be everyone's prediction. It's very safe. Yeah. <laughs> safe. <laughs> Lock it down. I mean, it's it's a high, high number in 2016, but it's like also like, well, everyone's saying that, so you're not crazy to say it. Yeah. Yeah. We've heard that from a lot of outsiders. I mean, thankfully, Nathan McKinnon got in front of some national media during this World Cup. I think that's the best part of the entire event is he's actually getting some recognition for his talent. It was fun reading those, oh, my God, Nathan McKinnon is so good columns every day, you know? Yeah. Right. You know, and this is among some of the best young talent in the league, too. I mean, he's outshining a lot of players. He's playing behind Connor McDavid, so. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, that his his line was probably the, the most consistent out of all their lines. And, I mean, it, it was just electric. And I've never really liked R&H before, but I really liked him on that line. I felt like he kind of anchored them a little bit offensively, but on the defensive side, he was like, the driver to go back to the right direction. Yeah. So, breakout season for Nathan McKinnon. What are some other... What, what's a second best thing that's going to happen this year? Um, second best thing is the new system works, and this team develops into a neutral possession team. Not necessarily a positive one. I don't think that's possible in one year, but I, I think you can get closer to a neutral possession team. To think somewhere in the 49 to 50 area? Exactly. I mean, I'll take 47. <laughs> I'll take merely bad over the catastrophe we sat through last year. Yeah, I mean, if you look at where they were and what the, you know, if you decrease the shot gap from where they were to 47%, um, I mean, you're talking 20, 30 more goals easy. And probably same amount on the other side as far as, you know, I mean, they let into 40, so. And maybe six more points in the standings? Well, my, my second thing was going to be they make the playoffs with 98 points. So you're definitely betting the over on that 87.5 line that everyone was talking about. And how. <laughs> and how. <laughs> so th there we go. We've come up with three things. We've got... The system works. We got a breakout year for Nathan McKinnon, and we've got playoffs. Um, let's let's talk about that playoffs prediction a little bit. Actually, um, we're going to get into this more in depth next week in our full on season preview, I think. But uh, the the central is still very strong, but there's also some chinks in the armor out there. I think it's pretty wide open. I think I, I think we all have our flaws. Um, and I, you know, I think it could turn out like a few years ago when we dominated, not, not 
not that we're going to get 112 points and, and win the division again, but, you know, I, I think it could be very competitive on the top end. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see, you know, how much older like a St. Louis team is. You know, I'm interested to see if Nashville's better or worse with a PK Subban. Um, you know, I'm interested in what happens to Minnesota with Bruce Boudreau as a coach. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of uncertainty. I mean, the, the you know, Central's been so consistent, you know, for the last two to three years that, you know, this is probably as much shakeup as we've seen in a while. Yeah. Is, is Dallas just smoking mirrors, you know? I mean, uh, no, <laughs> but they still have no <laughs> goaltending, and I think that's one thing that is certain. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely zero. So it's it's definitely wide open, especially for that two three kind of area. Yeah, um, I, I, it's still going to be kind of the same clubs looking for that number one in the division spot. I think with less emphasis on Chicago, but that the two three area is going to be a little bit more wide open than we've seen lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I still think it's going to be the kind of division that's very difficult to win, um, but it's just I, I think it's going to be more competitive. Yeah, I still see uh, both wild cards coming out of Central. Yeah. Yeah, when you're looking at uh, Edmonton and Calgary and Phoenix at Arizona, dollar in the jar. Dude, Vancouver, come on. And Vancouver. So let's let's look at three down. What are some uh, possible disappointments you may you think we may see this year? I've got one. How about Varlamov isn't as good as we need him to be? Um, you know, he's still putting up like, you know, 91% save percentage, somewhere around there, and it's just not quite like a top 10 goalie we need him to be. Like 91, but not 91.8. Right. Like, I'm talking <laughs> about true 91, you know. No, that matters. I mean, that, it does. That's a, yeah. that's a legit difference. <clears throat> Now, if you combine that with the system works, it's less important than it would have been. So that's kind of a mitigatable downside. He sees five fewer shots a game than, uh, you know, maybe he's letting fewer goals in. But, you know, I, I think still in order to make the playoffs, Semyon Varlamov has to be peak form. Uh, they need that out of him. And that would be bad for the team and bad for their final standing if he's not that good. Okay. Um, I don't disagree with that in the slightest. Um, as, as his contract gets older, it gets more and more questionable. Um, so, and that's not because of like, like I, that's kind of how most of us felt at the beginning. It's like, he's a goalie. He, he could be terrible next year and, ter- and then great the next year after that. We don't know. <laughs> um, Disappointment that I'm kind of expecting actually is going to be coming out of Nikita Zadorov because until he stops taking ridiculous penalties, I'm going to expect him to take ridiculous penalties. Yeah, yeah. He uh, doesn't seem to have quit that yet in preseason action this year. And uh, he needs to because it just puts his team at the disadvantage. And the more ice time he gets, the more chance he gets to take bad penalties. So... That was going to be fine, too. Okay. So now we have to come up with a third one. 
I, I was wavering between that and Carl Soderberg being disappointing. Right. After he was so surprising last year, maybe yeah. we've elevated our expectations so much that he can't possibly meet them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think he's still solid, still pl- still plays well, but I'm just not sure that um, he, he's going to be able to keep the second-line center role all year. And when you're looking at someone like Grigorenko um, having a good year, maybe, you know, maybe that flip-flops after a while. And then just a reminder of our bonus uh, disappointment that we predicted a minute ago is Rene Bork making the team and making us all sad that he made the I'm team. I'm already disappointed. Yeah, that one's given, you know. Yeah. Uh, these are non-injury and non-Rene Bork disappointments. <laughs> <laughs> The only possible upside is if at some point he ends up playing with Soderberg and Landeskog, and we can call it the Swedish chef line. <laughs> but let, let's you know, let, let's try to be devil's advocates here. Is there any reason to to be hopeful or happy about Rene Borg signing a contract? Um, yes, depending on his nacho eating capabilities. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying not to to have him be my most hated Abs player since Mark Oliver. <laughs> he needs to take on the role of Jack Skilly, which is he is a fourth line guy who plays forty ish games. He's got more skill than Skilly, which is just a, a great off the tongue thing here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> more skill than Skilly, but. If, I mean, if he can use that on the fourth line, and if our fourth line is used in a way other than out there running into people, then, then maybe that turns into something that, that really isn't bumming me out. Well, if you give him more than fourth line minutes, then you're sad. Right. I mean, if he's yeah. capped at like eight minutes a night, something like that, I mean, is that the worst thing that could ever happen? Is it better than Cody McLeod and Andreas Martinson? I mean, well, I mean that's he, the question he, we should be asking. If he's making passes like he made to Mac the other night, then I'm good with that. Right. You know, if if he's setting up playing with Mac for the love of God. No, but I'm saying if he's setting up, (laughs) you know, if he's setting up Smooth Johnny or or, you know, Martinson or someone like that. I mean, if he's setting up people for goals, if he's shooting at the net, if he's getting pucks to the net, all our favorite cliches about playing well. You know. You know, maybe it's. I warm up to the idea. That's Martinson's job. He's taking in it. Uh, maybe one yeah. of those two sitting on the bench. They could have sitting a platoon in the press Cody. Yeah, I mean, maybe Rene Bork is a classic uh, Peter Principle thing, kind of like John Mitchell. You know, he's a good player in a limited role, but you know, don't make the mistake of bumping him up. You know, I mean, to the third line. I mean, if he's playing on the fourth line and someone gets hurt, he's going to move up. Right. You know, I mean, that's just the that's the way life works, and that's right. that's what we all don't want to see. But um, we all have to expect to see because this, you know, is a contact sport. Well, and, and also we don't know how the new staff will handle who plays more when someone gets injured. Yeah, you know, I, like we've completely dismissed the idea of calling someone up and using them in third or second line minutes or roles. Maybe that happens now. Hmm. You know, we'll see. Maybe they say, like, golly, you know, Mike Sislo could really help us here. 
instead of moving Rene Bork up, we'll just do that. Yeah, pull up Mark Sislow into you know a third-ish line area, and then throw Gagarinko up on the on a top wing. Right. You know, I mean, it's you know, it, 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 there's so many unknowns with how you know call-ups and usage and everything's going to work. I mean, it's it's like following a new team. My only request is please, for the love of God, carry a full roster. Uh, I don't know. I think the cap might make that difficult. That is also a thing. Um, yes, everybody, the Avalanche are spending up to the salary cap. <laughs> and uh, now we have to worry about that instead of them I mean, all right, it, enough to keep us content. Here's something we can be happy with. If Rene Bork signs for $600,000 a year, that's pretty good. Yeah. That means that we can keep a full roster all the time. Wouldn't you rather sign Gabriel Bork for $600,000 a year? Why not both? Okay. I, I, think, I think they really like both. We'll see. It is it. Rene Bork seems like such a foregone conclusion at this point that we're just like trying to figure out how to make it not be bad. Well, I mean, they they've both won alternate cap. <clears throat> they both worn alternate captains' letters in games. Um, you know, they've both been praised by the coach when they played. Um, you know, the, other than a, a really dumb penalty flurry that Gabriel took at the end of one of the games last week. Know, he hasn't done anything other than exceed expectations. I'm just looking forward to all the headlines I can write about teams getting borked, and I mean, there's just so many possibilities. <laughs> I mean, if they if they sign both those guys and call up Troy at some point, bork 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 line, oh, right. make it happen. You know, there's two lines I want to see this year: the bork 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 line. And I want to see Joe Whitney with Rocco Grimaldi in the center and uh, Cole Samford on the outside. Yes, please. Three guys under 5'8". <laughs> They'd be uh, flying under the radar. Yeah. <laughs> well, um... If any of those things happen this season, you can guarantee that we will definitely not rub it in your face. You probably won't remember even making those predictions, but keep us honest, because somebody has <laughs> How to. How about you say that? Um, let's look at the upcoming week in Avalanche Hockey, because I think we are about ready to head back to a once-a-week schedule. There's things happening. There's games being played. Hockey is back with a capital back. Uh, this week, this week, hi, Echo. This week on Tuesday, Colorado play at Seven Mountain against the Minnesota Wild. Um, on Wednesday at 6.30, they're in Dallas. So you can probably expect to kind of see two different squads for those two games. Um, and then finally on Saturday, it is Fu Frozen Fury in Las Vegas at 8 o'clock Mountain against the LA Kings, which will be televised on NHL Network in the U.S., uh, which will actually be joined in progress. So if you can't find a Fox Sports West stream, you may miss a few minutes at the beginning. It's also the final Frozen Fury. Yeah, because there's going to be some freeloader in Vegas taking up our spot. Las Vegas whatevers. Las Vegas aces, and I will hear no nothing else. I don't care. I don't care what they're called. I'm still going to be calling them the aces. It's too good. Yeah. It is. 
I'm uh, looking forward to a weekend Vegas trip, uh, seeing games, man. Still getting stoked on that. I, there's going to be a lot of people from the Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico, Utah area making that trek, I'm sure, in California. dollar Southwest ticket, you know? I mean, what's there to even argue about? You can go win it back on the tables afterwards, right? That's that's one thing. I mean, you can always get cheap flights. When I lived in Telluride, they used to have flights from Grand Junction for like sixty nine bucks. Yeah. Yep. It was. You could go to Junction or Durango and fly to Vegas for sixty nine bucks. One plane just made a triangle every day. Perfect. Yeah, it's not like there's ever a shortage of hotel rooms because the, there's a convention in town. I mean, there's always a convention more. in town. I know. They're already prepared. So any yeah. predictions this week? I mean, I know it's just preseason. Do we have any? Let, let's look at, for, forget the Minnesota and Dallas games. I don't think we'll be able to watch them anyway. Um, let's, Maybe on the Dallas. Dallas might broadcast their own game. They might. They might. Sometimes they do. Um, but let's look at L.A. Uh, let's get Frozen Fury. Who wins the final Frozen Fury? I don't think Jared Bender is ever losing another game. So. No. Uh, abs are taking that one. Yeah. All right. I, I I think they will lose one of the games, the back to backs, just yeah, to get it out of their system, just so it you know it's not a streak issue coming into the season. Yeah, I think one of those games, their roster will just be so much below the other side's roster that there's nothing else that they can do. Probably actually on Tuesday when they get ready to cut some more guys. Right. I mean, especially against a divisional opponent. Uh, yeah. yeah, one especially like Minnesota, who plays dirty. I mean, you got to get a good look at the young guys who are you know still fighting to make the team. Right. So I think you can probably expect your next round of cuts to come either real late Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. So. So. We made it. We did. <laughs> so fast, so far. How are you guys so, feeling about really, the season? Are we, are we positive? I think we're positive. Yeah. I'm positive. I, I think it might be a little rougher at first than, you know, even us hopefuls want to believe. But I definitely expect growing pains, yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it, it can't possibly be as bad as our start to the season the last couple of years. Right. I mean, it won't be worse than that. So uh, there you go. Yeah, if you look at the, the way the monster season went last year, um, you know, they they didn't start out as world beaters, and they just got progressively better throughout the season. And I'd be fine with that. You know, I'd, I'd if I'm seeing improvement, and you know, 500 maybe a game or two below each month for the first two or three months, maybe two months. Um, but we're getting the the shot metrics better, playing better, breaking These the puck out of the zone better. Young break- players we need to contribute are getting better. Yeah. Your Nikita Zadorov, such Chris Bigras, and Miko Rantanen's. I mean, that's what I want to see improvement of. I mean, if yeah. you're not winning all the games in the first part of the season, I want to see these guys become more integral into the final product. And that's you know, and that's a symptom of saying, you know, the, the staff looking at what's happening and saying, you know, th- this veteran guy isn't getting it done. Let's try someone new instead of saying, well. We'll just keep putting that veteran guy in there until the good things happen because, golly, it must happen that way. Right. Yeah. I've got one final topical proposition here. Do we predict a trade before the preseason's over? 
Do you have something in mind? Not particularly, but, you know, somebody needs a fourth-line center. Do you think a John Mitchell gets shipped out like we've been predicting or anything to help us shed salary? I mean, how about a defenseman like an Eric Jelena? I mean, if he's had such a good camp, you know, uh, perhaps he's useful to somebody else in a more prominent way. I don't know. We just traded for Jelena and got, like, one game out of him, so I don't really know about that. And honestly, if I'm the GM of one of the 29 other NHL teams, I'm looking at John Mitchell's recent injury history going, I don't know about all that. Especially since he's injured right now. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, from a roster construction standpoint, you know, uh, somebody's got to go. And it's not going to be a Bork. I just don't see where the room for these Borks is, but we'll find out, I guess, this... This time of year bugs me. We never, like, we're always like trying to figure out a depth chart that doesn't exist yet. Right. Well, but, we'll have it figured out by next week. Yeah, next time around we'll have a lot better picture of the depth chart. And uh, you know that you can find out what that depth chart will look like right here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast on milehighhockey.com. You can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast or on Twitter at Twitter. Uh, no, Mixcloud, slash Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm ahead of myself. Twitter is Mile High Hockey, Facebook.com, slash Mile High Hockey, and all those other places where you can find the site itself. Um, you can also check out the podcast on iTunes or on whatever your uh, RSS podcatcher of choice may be. Um, so we are, what, a week and a half, two weeks from real action, and we will uh, be right back with you next week. October 15th, can't wait. <laughs> oh my dog just had such a freak out. <laughs> he doesn't like the new ending. Oh, you're such a. <laughs> what is. What are we talking about here, dog? I think she's excited to go do something. <laughs> All right. Speak Spanish. <laughs>